my privilege to open the word before you this morning. Um, although it kind of feels a little bit awkward because it, it always interests me how, how God brings very different people together in a church. Uh, I, I could think of a lot of ways that I'm different from all of you. I'm, I'm from Pennsylvania. Most of you are from New England. Um, I, I like math, and that's usually something I have in different from other people. Um, in fact, on, on a surface level, one of the only things I could think of that's a similarity between me and all of you is that I'm young, and so are all of you. So, I mean, surface, surface similarities might be, might be lacking, but I, I, I can stand here today as, as someone who's a, a visitor and open the word and, and speak something that we can all agree on and, and glorify God about, because we have a common salvation. And that's, that's really the, the subject of the message this morning. We're, we're going to be in Romans 5, uh, the beginning of, of that chapter. Just wanted to, to draw our attention to the, the justification that God has given to us as his children. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 11 of Romans chapter 5. And then we'll get into the message this morning. Romans 5. Paul says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, one would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, shall we be saved from wrath through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, being reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Let's pray before we get into the message. Our Father, we do thank you for justifying us through the blood of Christ. Uh, we thank you that we can meet and, and worship and glorify you for your mercy and grace to us. And we, we pray that you would Fill us with, with joy because of the hope that you've given to us through Jesus Christ. Um, direct our minds to the truth that you have for us this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Well, justification is one of those words that you know, we, we all know about. Right? It's, we, we use it frequently. And it, it refers to how we were separated from Christ, from, from God. And we were, we were guilty before him. And now we are righteous. We're, we're covered with Christ's righteousness. And that's, that's something that's, that you're very familiar with. I'm very familiar with. And we just sang about this morning how we, we need no other argument than that Christ died for us. So I feel a little bit like, like Peter writing in Second Peter chapter 1. He says, I, I want you to put you in remembrance of these things. Even though you know them, you're well established in the truth that you have. Like you, you know these things. I, I don't have to 
stand here and tell you something you don't know as though you, you didn't know Christ. But Peter reminded his audience of these foundational truths because he didn't want them to forget, didn't want them to fall. He, he wanted, he says later, that when, when he's gone, that they could at any time remember these things. Um, and Paul points out for us in this chapter that there's justification isn't just something that, that happened in the past to us that we can you know, remember once in a while and then, and then forget about. It's actually something that has continuing consequences for us. And we're going to look at, at three of those. They're actually all right here in the, the first two verses. The rest, the rest of the passage would be more commentary on that outline. But the, the three results of our justification we want, want to look at are peace with God, access into grace, and joy that comes from God. Um, and the first one of those is, is peace. Right there in chapter 5, verse 1, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And if you're, you're familiar with the book of Romans, you, you know that back in chapter 1, Paul describes the world apart from Christ. He says there's, there's wrath that God has, has poured out and as he's displayed against unbelievers because they've rejected God. He, he really paints a, a pretty bleak picture of the, the unbeliever's life apart from Christ in chapter one. He says they've, they've exchanged the, the God that they should serve for idols and, and their own selfish pleasures. And they, they don't have peace with God because they don't want God. Um, really all of humanity is in this rebellion against God. They, they don't have peace because they've, they've made God their enemy. And even back in the, the Old Testament, you have you know, the sacrificial systems with all the different offerings that they had. One of those is the peace offering. Uh, God made a way for his people Israel, even back in the, under the Old Covenant, to have peace with him. And by, by setting up that offering as, as its own category, he was saying, okay, this is really important. When you, when you come to me, it's, it's important that, that we're rightly related. And this is how you do it. And that, that peace offering pointed forward to Christ, as we know that the whole sacrificial system did, pointed forward to Jesus, who is the prince of what? Prince of peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. He brings that peace with God that we need that was broken at the fall. So now Paul is saying, because we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God, the, the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end. This, this peace with God is, is something that continues on um, through eternity. It's, it's not just, you know, our, our standing has changed at, at that one point back there, and then it goes back. This, this is a peace that continues on. This is something that we possess forever, this, this peace with God, this, this right relationship. It's a, a treasure um, that we, we do well to remember uh, because it speaks of a, a relationship that's been restored. Um, the, the word that describes that best is, is reconciliation. Um, peace with God 
you know, hints at the concept of, of reconciliation, but Paul actually mentions it a couple more times in this passage. Um, if you'd look down at, at verse 10, it says, well, we were enemies. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Again, being reconciled, you'll be saved by his life. And then there's actually one, one more hiding in verse 11, uh, by whom we have now received the atonement at the end of verse 11. Um, that word atonement is the same word reconciliation. Uh, all the other times it's used in the King James is, is translated reconciliation and, and some other translations translated that way also. So that, and then Second uh, Corinthians, Paul speaks of the ministry of reconciliation that Christ has has brought in. Again, it's it's a, a relational term. You you can't be reconciled to your car after you drove it into a ditch. And it's that, that doesn't even make sense. It, and you can repair your car. You can make it so the car is running again, but you can't be reconciled to it. It, it doesn't doesn't work. You have to be reconciled to a person. There has to be something that went wrong, and sin's our problem. We we know that. And then reconciling means that the relationship is made right again and, and okay the, so the relationship's made right why is that a big deal it's, it's a big deal because that's why we were created that's where life functions best is when we're rightly related to god um, there's there's no peace for the wicked because they don't know god but we we know god we're brought into that right relationship with God. Our life works right, even when there's hard stuff going on. And we'll, you know, Paul talks about sufferings later on in this passage. But when when we know God, when we're rightly related to, to God, that's that's where life works best. Because that's why we were created. That's the fellowship that Adam and Eve had in the garden that was broken. That's the fellowship that we have at, at the end of the story. Right now, we, we know in part. We know imperfectly. When we're glorified, we will know fully. We'll have that relationship um, as it was supposed to be. And Jesus justifying us, giving us the right standing before God, bringing together these two estranged parties it what is what makes that possible. So the first, first result of our justification is, is peace. Peace with God through the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. The second thing there in, in verse two, we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand. Uh, access it kind of brings to mind that, that picture of, of coming into a throne room where you have, you know, you, you're not allowed to be unless you have special permission from the king. Uh, you have favor. And that's, that's what the word grace means is, is favor. Um, God has put his his favor upon us he's he, he smiled on us he, he wants us to be there in in his presence um you, you have all those those images from the psalms of, of god being our fortress our rock or, or hiding underneath his wings is our shield or our tower um, these are are very solid comforting images of our god we we have access to come come into his presence to 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 um, be under this grace, to experience this grace. Um, we, ha we have that through Christ. And it's, it's kind of a, a natural consequence of reconciliation. You, you can't 
come into God's presence and not be under his wrath, but instead be under his favor. If you, if that relationship is, is broken, you come into God's presence mm-hmm. as a, a sinful human being, you're consumed. That's because God is holy. So Christ makes that, that access possible. Um, uh, that wrath of God that we're saved from uh, is reminiscent of, of end times judgment. You see in the book of Revelation, all, all these, these judgments that come upon the earth and then even, even the eternal judgment in hell. We don't have to experience any of that. Um, down in, in verse 10, we're, we're saved from the wrath of God by the life of Christ. Um, we, the, the wrath of God that's poured out on unbelievers for their rejection of Christ back in Romans chapter one. That's, that's not, that's not on us, which is another huge blessing that we have as believers in Christ. We, we don't have to experience God's wrath, but instead we experience his favor because Jesus came and he made things very simple, right? Either you're for me or you're against me, either in darkness or in light. It's he dealt in, in, binary terms all the time is it's either right or it's wrong um either you can serve god or money can't serve two masters he said stuff like this all the time which means that either we are enemies of god and subject to his wrath or we are friends of god and subject to his grace there's there's no middle ground here where it's like you know god has you know, he's he's cleared our name. We're we're not guilty, but we're not really on good terms with God anymore. That 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 area doesn't exist. If your sins have been forgiven, you have been pardoned. You also have the righteousness of Christ credited to your account. God loves you. God wants you in His presence. He doesn't just tolerate you in His presence. He wants you in His presence. You're His dearly beloved child, which is. Uh, incredibly freeing for some people um there's, there's a a tendency that, that many people have to to try to live up to god's favor to to earn god's favor in some way even even if they've already accepted his christ payment for their sins still feel like they have to to do something to make god like them but there's only two categories god doesn't deal in the economy of, of earning his favor he gives it freely that's that's the whole concept of grace it applies to our salvation it applies to our continuing relationship with christ so learning to see ourselves in those terms is a, a direct result of understanding what our justification really is we have peace with god we have access into grace and then the the third thing there we see in verse two again we have joy um, I know it seems like I'm going uh, through the, the three points rather quickly, but um, joy is a bigger one. So I think I think we'll be able to get all the way to 11 and maybe a little bit over. <laughs> um, three times in this passage, Paul mentions that we, we rejoice in something. It's here in verse 2, verse 3, he says we, we glory in tribulations, the same word. Um, and then verse 11 he says, we, we joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All three of those are the same Greek word. Um, is, is the word that means boasting or, or glorying in, um, which, which adds kind of a, a new dimension to this. 
because this this isn't something that that we just go around with a happy smile on our face. Like I'm I'm so happy, uh, and here's the reason why Jesus took my burdens all the way. Now that's true. Um, I just had to finish the song because I'm a music guy. But um, it, it's not just just the happiness that we have inside us. It's, it's actually a, a glorying. It's a, a magnification of God because we we have this this gift that we have this this joy, and it's not for us. It's so that we can reflect other people to God and say, hey, here's, here's what God did for me. My sins are forgiven through Christ. My relationship with God is restored. I have God's favor on my life. And that's why I don't have to be worried about all these, these things that are coming at me. That's why I don't have to live in fear of God's wrath. It's all because of God has forgiven me. So we, we glory, we boast in, in God. So our, our justification, our, our not being guilty before God, but being righteous before God is really a humbling thing, actually. It, it does great things for uh, our pride in that it, it tears it down pretty fast. Because there's, if there's nothing that we did to earn our salvation, if there's nothing that, that we can do to earn favor with God, then there's nothing that we can boast in, we can glory in, in and of ourselves. Any, any glory, any, any boasting, any credit for progress we make in our spiritual life, for peace that we have in, in difficult circumstances, that all goes to God because uh, we, can, we can boast in him. So what are, the, what are the things that we boast in God because of? Well, first, first here in uh, verse 2, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Okay. Great ethereal term. What does that mean? Uh, which is a good thing because I was, I was wanting the same thing myself. So I studied it. That's what you're supposed to do, right? So the, the glory of God, one of the, the commentators I, I looked at, he said, he pointed out that back in chapter three, Romans 3.23, all of sin and fall short of what? The glory of God. So when we sin, we, we lose something of God's glory. When we are, are justified, Paul says we, we have hope of regaining that glory. Okay, what, what, does, what does that look like? Well, now I want to take you over to the, my, my favorite passages of Scripture, my peers too. Um, it's just one page in my Bible, Romans 8. Um, Verses 18 through 25, uh, I'm going I'm to read the whole thing just, just because it, it really explains this, this concept of, of hope of the glory of God. It says, I, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to compare with what? The glory which shall be revealed to us. This is, this is that hope of glory that we have. Uh, for the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the, the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. That's corruption that comes from sin. Into the glorious liberty of the children of God. That's us. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they... But ourselves also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So we're, we're waiting for something, and that 
verse 23 tells us that's the redemption of a body. We are saved by hope, verse 24. So this, this hope of the glory of God, this thing that we're waiting for that, that we haven't received yet is the, the redemption of our body. Because Paul uh, explains in Romans 7, the chapter for this, that you know, we, we have to struggle in us. We, we want to do what's right, but we're living in the, these sinful bodies, this, this sinful flesh. Um, I had the, the privilege this summer of, of being a, a CIT counselor. So I got to sit through a lot of the, the CIT sessions. CIT is a more intensive version of camp, very focused on, on discipleship and, and really being fully committed to God. And one of the sessions there um, caused me to think, it's like, when, when was I training the habits and the, the thought patterns that I have or that, that this, this brain, this, this body has? Well, that that'd be as soon as I was cognizant, right? Okay, so let's say I was two when, when I started, or I, it started before then, but there, there was a two-year-old Caleb that was running around um, training, training this mind to think a certain way, to act a certain way, to, to have desires that, that pleased me. And if you have ever watched a two-year-old, they're really selfish. Like they're really, really selfish. If something doesn't go their way, they you know, the, the whole world falls apart. Uh, it's, it's rough being two, I guess. I, I don't really remember being two, but I, from the two-year-olds that I've seen, it's, it's really a, a difficult thing out there because they're trying to live for themselves. They're trying to please themselves and it just doesn't work. So, so then fast forward several years, it gets saved. I, I had this new nature that lives inside me. It's, it's wonderful, but I still struggle with this, this sin. Oh, why, why do I have this struggle? And it's because... This, this body was trained by a two-year-old. Okay, that explains a lot. <laughs> but a two-year-old trainer. Um, but it does. It makes sense because those, those effects from, from sin, from, from living for yourself before you're saved, they don't just go away. You, you still, we still live in this, this body. And it, Romans 8 describes it well. We, we groan within ourselves. Why, why am I so subject to sin still? Why, how long do I have to live in this body and, and be battling this flesh? And the, the hope that we have, that, that's a promise, is that we're going to be delivered from this, this, this corruption that we experience living in this world, living in these bodies, unto the, the, the adoption as sons. We, we will look like Christ. We'll be, we'll be glorified. And that's, that is the hope of the glory of God. Because when, when we are, are living as we ought, as we should, we, we don't have to fight constantly to, to not sin. We don't have to fight with our flesh. Then God's, God's glory is revealed perfectly through us. We, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And that's, that's another wonderful thought. Because we won't have to be battling sin for eternity praise god <laughs> that's that's going to be done when christ redeems these bodies we we can rejoice because we have that kind of hope the the second thing that, that paul says we can rejoice in in verse three of chapter five is that we can rejoice in our sufferings 
which is a distinctly Christian thing. Uh, this is this is not rejoicing that we suffer. Uh, that's that's masochism. That's joy from pain. That's weird. Uh, this is rejoicing in our sufferings, and because that's that's so you know counterintuitive. Paul Paul gives a nice nice logical chain because Paul's a very logical thinker. He says we, we rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces patience. This um, the, this the sufferings are. are uh, difficult circumstances that are, are placed on us that they come into our lives um they're they're hard to deal with and paul says the longer you the longer you suffer the more patient you'll be okay great why do i want to be patient i mean wouldn't it be easier if i could just not suffer and not have to be patient i mean it's do, do i need patience that much well yes yes you need patience because patience produces experience or or character or you know guts this the going through sufferings having having patience enduring through them it, it teaches you something um it, it brings you character it's, it's part of the process uh like we we heard in sunday school becoming a a, a boy to a man you know there's there's character that a man has that a, a boy doesn't have. He's just concerned for himself. But a, a man has learned something, oftentimes through hardship, through suffering, through having to say no to his, his own desires. There's there's character that develops. Um, one of the one of the guys I read said, God is not indifferent to our personal formation, but seeks to deepen and sharpen our coping skills, even and capacity for loving, serving, and enjoying himself and others. God wants us to be like him. He wants us to, to be able to be aware of, of things around us, not, not to have our, our boat rocked by, by any little thing that comes at us. He wants us to be stable and so secure in who God is. And one of the ways he does that is to bring suffering into our lives, which you know, hurts. <laughs> but at the same time, we, we recognize we can rejoice in sufferings because it's making us look more like Christ. It produces character. It produces experience. Um, uh, a verse that my, my dad likes to, to point out to me frequently is, is Proverbs 16, 7. The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. And this, is, this is a highway. This is a, a well-worn path. Um, you, you don't you don't make a well-worn path by walking over it two times. It, you have to walk over it again and again and again. <laughs> when, when temptation comes, when, when suffering comes, it, it takes a lot of repetitions to build this highway of doing right, of turning aside from evil, of, of trusting God in the midst of our sufferings. And that's, that's what suffering does for us. That's what character is. But it doesn't just stop a character of this, this nice portrait of a man um, who, who trusts God. Character produces hope. Um, that's, that's there in, in verse 4. It's this experience, this character, gives us more hope. Now, we already touched on hope of the glory of God. This is kind of coming full circle. It's like he starts with hope. He says, we, we rejoice in hope of the glory, glory of God. We also rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces Patience, patience, experience, and experience 
hope comes right back. Um, and, and we could you know, talk again about how, how we, you know, we were made more Christ-like, not just at the end. That's, that's what we talked about before. Uh, Romans 8 says that we will be made perfect. Uh, that's, that's future hope. That's end times hope. We, we will have you know, glorified bodies where we don't have to worry about sin. But suffering actually gives us a little bit of a shortcut there it's, it's not much of a shortcut it, it hurts but we don't have to wait until we have glorified bodies to do right to to be able to say no to sin we can actually do that now because god is is working in us he, he's doing something in us um second corinthians four seventeen says this, this light momentary affliction in light of eternity, it's light and momentary, is preparing for us an internal weight of glory beyond all comparison. It's, he, God's actually doing something through this suffering. He's, he's making us look more like him, not just in eternity, but, but now. Hope, hope doesn't put us to shame. Paul goes on, he's, he's gonna, God is going to finish what he started in us. Uh, Philippians 1, 6, he, he will... He will um, bring to pass the, the work that he started. He's, he's doing something in us. He who began a good work will also finish it. So he's, he started working in us, and there's, there's, there's this process in the middle. Um, we look like Christ at the end, and there's you know, death that does a whole lot for us as far as looking like Christ, because once we die into this flesh, we're, we're raised in newness of life. Then we look like Christ. It's wonderful. But there's, there's this process in between. And we, we grow in that process. And I, again, just, just as our, our justification wasn't by ourselves, neither is our, our growth, our sanctification, looking more like Christ in this life. That's also by God's power. Uh, how do I know that? Well, verse 5 says that hope doesn't doesn't make us ashamed it, we we aren't disappointed in our hope of looking more like christ in this life and why is that because the spirit has been given to us he's been, been spread abroad poured out given in full measure to us in, into our hearts actually that god's love has been poured into our hearts by by the spirit god gave us the the gift of the holy spirit to live with inside us and work that change in us it's it's god who's working in us both to will and to do his good pleasure he gives us the the capacity to, to want to do his will and then he gives us the strength to do to do his will to please him we we have this this hope uh, of looking like christ because we have god dwelling inside of us he gave us everything that we need we're not going to be disappointed in God's promise that he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to make you more like Christ. And we're like, okay, just waiting for this to happen. I don't look very much like Christ right now. God, you, you didn't, you didn't give me what I needed. Yes, he did. He gave, he gave us his, his spirit. He gave us his word. So that we, we don't have any excuse not to look more like Christ, no matter how, how young or less young we are. We're, we're all somewhere on this, this journey. And God is, God is always pushing us, always growing us, always chipping the sharp edges off 
Uh, he's, he's doing that through the conviction of his spirit. He's doing it through the, the time that we spend uh, in and under his word. Uh, this is the, the spirit is that, that guarantee that God will accomplish the, the work that he started. Uh, as Paul says in, in Ephesians, that the spirit seals us. He's, he's doing that work in our heart. He's, he's the, the front lines of, of changing us to look more like Christ. That, that hope doesn't put us to shame. So we, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We can rejoice in our sufferings because that's God's process for making us look more like Christ. And then down in verse 11, more than that, we, we rejoice in God. Um, let's see. We join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement or this, this reconciliation. So the, the final um, piece that God, that Paul is telling us, the God through Paul is telling us that we can rejoice in is, is God himself. We, we glory, we boast in God for just who he is, how, how great and, and wise he is in, in structuring this, this plan of salvation. We, we rejoice that we have this relationship restored with God you know, by, by whom we received the atonement. This, this relationship is put back together. We glory, we, we boast in that. Um, let, let the one who boasts, boast that he, he understands and knows me. This relationship with God is, is what we can when glory in. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of, of Psalm 51. Um, it's a, a favorite psalm of mine where... David is, is struggling with, with his sin. Again, he's, he's experiencing the, the pain of wanting to love God, wanting to live for God, but experiencing how, how his flesh works against that process. Now, he, he's fallen. He's trying to get back up. He says, God, there's, there's joy in knowing you. Restores me that joy, that joy in your salvation. And God does. God, God brings him back into that fellowship with him, gives him the joy that is, is possible in understanding and, and knowing God. So we have, you know, we have, we have this justification that's, that's through faith in Christ Jesus by his blood. And it, it gives us, you know, peace with God. There's this reconciliation um, this, this restoring of the relationship, it gives us God's favor because we're, we're not enemies. We're, we're his friends. Now we, we have a smile upon us and it gives us joy. It gives us cause for rejoicing and, and boasting in, in who God is and, and what he's done. So I, I hope that as, as we've looked at, um, the, the gift, the, the ministry of reconciliation of justification that Christ accomplished for, I hope each, each one of us in this room that, you can go throughout the, the rest of this week remembering the, the cause that we have for hope and, and can have that the joy that God promises. Let's pray. Father, we, we do thank you that you have done so much for us and given us so much in Christ. Now we pray that you would keep these truths always in, in our remembrance, that we would thank you every single day for saving us, for bringing us into fellowship with you. And that we would, we would rejoice in everything that you give us, knowing that you are working in us faithfully to make us look more like Christ. We pray that we would. 
We pray that we would, we would fight sin and would spend much time with you and, and speaking with others about you and building our hearts, uh, training our hearts to love you better. Because in Christ's name we pray.